Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is intended to be a wellness-based podcast. It is not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. So welcome back to our second week in October as we are moving through this Relax, Relate, Release series. And we're trying to get a hold of some of the ways that anxiety can really affect us. Uh, October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I want to make sure that I talk a little bit about that today, not in the sense of going into a lot of detail about it, but to highlight that domestic violence is an area of which we always need to be concerned and aware because oftentimes we are not mindful of all of the ways that a person can be involved in a domestic violence situation. We often think of only physical abuse, but there are a lot of different ways in which people can be traumatized in relationships in which people violate their space, um, talking about what they're wearing and putting on who they're around, wanting to have a, a scan of the room and what's going on, account for all your time, uh, phone calls, wanting to talk to you all the day, or the barrage, uh, uh, barrage, of, or barrage of, of phone calls. That, that you can receive um, bombarding you. That's the word I was trying to come up with y'all. Bombarding you with, with, with messages all day. Those kind of things can be included. And, and they actually tie in to our topic for today, uh, which is around social anxiety. So last week we were talking about um, general anxiety, just overthinking things and that spiral that we can get into. And this week we're going to be addressing social anxiety. And one of the ways that we can actually um, develop social anxiety is if we've had a traumatic experience. And so that is the way I'm going to be actually bringing domestic violence in. So let me get to it. Y'all know I'll get off on a tangent. Um, so today's topic is I'm not good enough releasing social anxiety. Um, so, you know, truthfully, and a lot of people don't realize this, social anxiety is actually the third highest mental illness um, in terms of which people are affected by it. Uh, according to the Depression and Anxiety Association of America, 15 million adults in the United States uh, report a history of or currently experiencing social anxiety. So I just want you to think about that for a moment as it just relates to how common of an experience it is for us to be uncomfortable in social situations and interactions with people. And we're going to talk a little bit about it because I, I think sometimes we don't necessarily know what all constitutes social anxiety. And so you may be very extroverted and you can still have social anxiety. You can be introverted and have it as well. But a lot of times we just assume that it is only with people who are shy, but that is not the case. So let me just give you some common examples of what social anxiety would look like to just kick this thing off. Um, oftentimes there is just this fear, apprehension. Uh, for some people it's very painful to engage uh, socially and it's just like I, I, I can't even bring myself to do it or when I do my body reacts in, in such a very strong way but in general you know people are nervous and this could be about what somebody said what I said um, oftentimes you may experience where you're constantly thinking about what you said to other people did I phrase that right how did they receive that we're looking at their body language trying to determine if they were offended by it it may be something we're holding on to that they're not thinking anything about. Uh, oftentimes it is re in relation to, um, am I going to be rejected by someone? Am I going to be accepted by someone? Essentially, do I fit in with people? How are they going to be looking at me? And so 
this is when we're walking into spaces, you all have done this where you've walked into maybe a coffee shop or a grocery store or a classroom, um, your office, and it feels like all eyes are on you and you feel really uncomfortable. And this is some of the ways that we experience social anxiety as well. It's just this discomfort walking into spaces of people for fear I might do something embarrassing uh, that people may be looking at, but also what are people thinking about me? How are they judging me when I walk into this space, which can make it very uncomfortable to go to places. Uh, fear of talking on the phone, talking to um, people that are at that, that cash register, calling up for appointments. Some people have extreme difficulty even calling to make an appointment, which is why a lot of people like the option of being able to text or email or do some kind of uh, form on a website so they don't actually have to have that interaction because there's this fear of what to say, how to say uh, what I want to say. Am I effectively communicating? Am I being heard? Is this person going to think um, I'm really unintelligent or goofy or, or silly? We don't like to burden people or overwhelm people. We can sometimes think we're being a bother, uh, being able to, to calm our voices down enough to be able to talk and not talk so rapidly or, or not talk so softly. Um, it can be very intimidating. You don't know who's on the other side of that phone and what they may say. And as you all know, if you've ever dealt with any kind of customer service situation, uh, you could very much have a negative experience with someone. And that negative experience you take to the next time sometimes where you're interacting. And, and you know, this is why we often are like, eh, do I want to make this phone call? Um, we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to um, seem as if we're being a bother. This is why we don't correct orders when they're wrong. This is why we don't, we're not the people to voice where we want to go for the restaurant. You all choose. Uh, we don't want to bear all of that responsibility. Uh, and, and oftentimes we are thinking about other people more so than we're thinking about ourselves in these situations. And so that's another reason why we're very uncomfortable. Um, there's just this fear of being exposed in some way. Are you going to be able to see what I struggle with, what I deal with? I don't want to be, um, look, I don't want to be in a position where I look inept in front of you or inadequate in front of you. I don't want you to see how fearful I am or, or what's going on in my mind. I mean, it, it, it is uh, overwhelming for us, but we definitely don't want other people to know what we experience because we don't want people to think of us in this negative way. Like what's wrong with you? We mean, there's constant thoughts. Why are you thinking about that that way? That, that judgment piece is so strong with anxiety. We are so very concerned about other people seeing us in this, um, this light of being less than or not enough, right? I'm not good enough. This is where the topic of this podcast um, came from. So what do we do? We, do, we avoid. We avoid those situations. We avoid things that make us uncomfortable. We find other ways to do it to decrease the amount of interaction that we have. You know, some people will... Uh, they know to go into the garden entrance of a store because there's the register there. There's usually less people there, particularly during certain parts of the year or figure out what time of day to go so I can have less interaction, um, figure out how to order my stuff online so I can just go pick it up and I don't have to interact. Right? There are just a lot of ways we try to navigate this um, that decrease our time of interaction. Now, we're going to talk about in terms of what is more helpful that when you actually avoid, you make your anxiety worse, even though it seems like in the moment, like, no, I don't have it. I'm doing better, right? No, well, that's just um, not allowing me to actually get at the fear. And as long as that fear is there, it's going to be binding for me. It's going to be difficult for me to do anything when I'm scared. So I actually, believe it or not, need to address the fear, not run from it. 
Uh, so where does social anxiety come from? Where are the triggers? And, and I know you all probably get tired of me doing this, but it is a, a complex thing in which there's no, no one answer. So we know that there's just some biological disposition that we have toward anxiety. We know that with social anxiety, it can be learned, but also can be inherited. And sometimes we just have those social anxiety genes, the ones that make us a little bit more fearful and uncomfortable, that cortisol level rises up a little bit more, that heart rate um, speeds up a little bit more in interactions with people. And so we have that component that we didn't have any control over. Those were just the genetic cards that we were dealt. But we also know that environment shapes us. If you have critical parents, if you have parents who were fearful um, and you learned fearful strategies from them, I um, distinctly remember um, my mother was terrified to go let me have sleepovers as a child because her fear was, and I think I've shared this in other podcasts, um, that back when we lived in Chicago, there had been this string of fires. Um, and, and, and unfortunately families' lives were lost in these fires. And so her fear was I would be spending the night at someone's house, their home would catch on fire and then I'd be gone. And, and she would not be able to deal with the guilt and the grief of, I put you in that situation. If you had been home, you would still be safe. So, um, what that did was, I mean, I didn't have sleepovers. I think I was probably, uh, well into high school before I was able to have a sleepover. And so when we don't do things, sometimes we can get very fearful of them. Um, a friend of mine talks about with his daughter, grandmother is um, very fearful of thunderstorms. And so now what's happened is his daughter is now fearful of thunderstorms. And so that's a learned behavior. Had she not seen how her grandmother reacted, and some of you may have grown up with grandparents who are like, turn off the lights, turn off the, um, the TV, turn off everything, sit in the dark. <laughs> um, because there was just this fear that something bad was going to happen during this thunderstorm, as opposed to recognizing that, yeah, this is part of nature. This is a part of the environment. It is, uh, not that I necessarily need to run out in it, but I also don't have to be afraid of it, right? So there's the environmental things that happen. And so when we don't have examples of people that uh, push us to work past fear or teach us how to manage it and face it or, or give us opportunities to be exposed to a variety of things so we're not fearful of them, then yes, we can become very fearful. We may not learn those social skills. And so oftentimes we're uncomfortable in social situations because we haven't learned, we haven't been able to develop for whatever reasons, may have been parents, may have been school opportunities. Um, socioeconomic uh, factors play into this as well in terms of what we're able to have access to growing up. So maybe I didn't get the foundation that I needed to be comfortable talking to people. And so I may not feel like I have the words to say because I haven't practiced being able to have those words. I may not have had to order for myself. I may not have not had to call and take care of things for myself. So I just have an underdeveloped skill set. I don't know how to maybe read social cues very well. And so I am uncomfortable um, in situations. We have those uh, personality characteristics where some of us are just a little bit more shy and timid and it takes us a little while to warm up to people. And so we often stay in the background. And so if I'm doing that, then that means I haven't practiced those skills to be able to be more comfortable, right? Because what we usually do with people when they're shy is we're like, oh, we just say they're shy. And so we don't really push them to have to step outside of that shyness. Um, and, and sometimes we just are not in family environments where there are just healthy ways of learning how to attach to each other. So there's not security and safety in my family. And so I am uncertain. It's unstable. It's not a safe space. And so I'm not going to feel like other people are safe if I grew up in a family support system that was not safe, if I were violated by people who were in my space, and this goes to the trauma piece 
We can talk about domestic violence. We can talk about um, abuse. Uh, we can talk about not having enough food. We can talk about insecurity in terms of where you were going to stay, uh, moving around a lot. So there's a lot of things that can go into trauma that can also affect us in social situations. So if I was already in a relationship in which someone told me that I was inadequate and less than and nobody liked me and nobody wanted to be around me and I was of no worth and any value, then how am I going to feel when I go into spaces with other people? If the people who were supposed to love, care, and take care of me weren't able to do that, if I grew up having to walk on eggshells because I didn't know who I was gonna get at home, if I was belittled, um, if I was demeaned, if I was called outside of my name and, and told um, that, that I had no value, then of course I'm going to engage in relationships thinking that I have no worth and no value. Um, rejection experiences shape us. So if for any reason, in any kind of way, I was rejected by people previously, then I'm going to think I'm going to be rejected by people moving forward. Um, how we perceive things, so how we think about things, we often talk about cognitive styles, but, but uh, if you are more of a pessimistic person, so you think something negative is gonna happen more frequently, maybe I'm more prone to social anxiety. If you have had negative experiences or seen other people experience negative social interactions, then that makes you more prone to have social anxiety. And so there are a lot of ways that we see the world, whether it, uh, we see it in a safe space or we see it as a, a, a place that's dangerous, that can affect how we approach um, social situations. So what do we do about it, <laughs> right? So I know that I am uncomfortable and it may be I'm uncomfortable, uncomfortable in one situation, but not in any of the others. Um, and, and, and I may find that I'm uncomfortable most of the time. <laughs> So wherever you fall on that spectrum in terms of the social anxiety, I think that these skills can be helpful. Now, there is always, um, and, and you all know my plug is always going to be for therapy. There's always an opportunity for you to work with someone, particularly if you have higher levels of social anxiety. Sometimes we have mild social anxiety. I'm uncomfortable initially. I get more comfortable the more I'm there. Other people, this is literally pain. This is, I'm sweating. I can't breathe full-fledged panic attack, not happening kind of pain, right? So at those ends of the spectrum, you may need different things. And then there are those of us who are, may fall somewhere in the middle, maybe certain situations where I need a little bit more support in others where I'm more comfortable. Nonetheless, um, therapy is always an option. Uh, groups to learn social skills, to learn how to be able to manage and interact with others, always a good option for you in terms of what could work. But... Um, in terms of some other skills, uh, challenging those distorted thoughts. What is underneath me feeling like I am less than, right? So what, what are those areas in which I need to address? Um, those negative thoughts, they show up, so I need to attend to them and make sure that I have some positive thoughts there, that I'm operating from a place of security and not from a place of fear. Being mindful, being mindful in this situation. Let me experience this moment that I'm present in right now i might start with five minutes work my way up to 20 minutes getting comfortable in my body in a space creating a fear hierarchy what am i most afraid of what am i least afraid of so i start with small things so maybe it's i go to a coffee shop i bring my laptop i set a timer i stay in there for 30 minutes i work my way up to an hour then i go in there and i don't have the laptop maybe i have a book right, right? so learning how to interact i tell myself okay speak to at least one person I challenge myself to go up to a cash, cash register and interact with the clerk. 
right? So there may be some places where I start planning outings because again, we have to address and face the fear. We can't not address it, otherwise it just gets worse. So let me plan some outings. Again, if I go off that feararchy, start small and I work myself up. How many minutes am I gonna stay there? Am I gonna take someone with me, not take someone with me? Um, how many people do I wanna approach when I'm there? What is gonna be my object objectives? Because we do have to practice talking to people. So once I get comfortable saying, and I can write some things out when I have to make that uncomfortable phone call, when I have to go up to the doctor's office, I can write things out so I have something there, but the more I do it, the less fearful I get. And let me not focus on how people are going to receive me, what I'm saying, let me just focus on the experience. What did I hear? What did I feel? What was in the space? Uh, you know what, when I walked in there, it was a little uh, anxious, but then as I went on, I got less anxious. I noticed they had this really nice lavender um, hand sanitizer that I like the smell of. Good self-care is really important to you all. We need, we need sleep. Uh, we need to make sure that we're well rested before we try to go into a situation that makes us uncomfortable. Um, caffeine can actually increase anxiety, so can nicotine. So we wanna be mindful of lessening our use of those things. And alcohol we use as a number or something to make us feel more comfortable, but then I don't actually get to engage in the presence of the moment and so I need to be present in the moment. So I don't need to have alcohol there to um, get my inhibit, uh, inhibit my, um, uh, my fear. I need to be able to feel the fear and work through the fear. Breathing is really important. Deep breathing, bringing my attention to my breath, calming my body down. That's what's gonna keep that heart rate down, get the butterflies out of the stomach, is me being able to calm down. And practice being confident. And I know that we say fake it till we make it, but that is actually true. If I walk into a situation and I affirm myself and tell myself, you got this, you can do this, you can make this eye contact, you can have these conversations, over time I will begin to internalize that and be able to move forward in a more confident way. But also be kind to yourselves, y'all. If y'all try some of this stuff and you're like, that did not work, uh, I, I, I was okay and then it fell apart, it's all right, right? These are practicing kind of technologies or techniques rather that we're using. So it's gonna take time. I do not want you all to uh, be under any illusion that this stuff is gonna knock out your social anxiety in two weeks or less. But over time, you can see some improvement. And again, if you need some additional support, you know you have that resource to be able to practice. So managing social anxiety is a process. It does take practice. It can get better, okay? You all be well.